0: What's up, everybody? This is FTW with Ahmad Khan. I'm your host, Ahmad Khan, and joining me today on this ESPN D-Sports edition is reporter Aaron Garst. Thanks for having me. Today's show will be dedicated to the layoffs over at ESPN. Prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, ESPN was already facing difficulties due to cord-cutting and people moving away from traditional sports as part of their entertainment buffet. ESPN Esports, which started in 2016, has been hit with layoffs across the board. We know that Emily Rand and Jacob Wolf, both of whom have been on the show before, will not have their contracts renewed. The fate of Art Ocal, who's been on the show before, is not certain, but it's possible that he may no longer have a job once his contract expires. Tyler Erzberger is also out. In total, 500 jobs at ESPN were lost, from reporters to producers and everyone in between. Both Aaron and I have freelance for ESPN. I started in 2016. Aaron started in 2018. We've seen some of the internal politics from the outside. But first, Aaron, what does the loss of ESPN esports have on the esports journalistic ecosystem?
1: I think there are two big takeaways. I mean, one, ESPN... I think by far it's one of the biggest players in esports, esports coverage, especially, you know, alongside the Washington Post with Launcher and other sites like that. But the amount of time and effort and investment that they put into the esports scene with games like Overwatch and, and League of Legends was pretty much unrivaled, so... To have them leave, you know, at a time when other major outlets like Rolling Stone, like Variety, several others are also leaving for the same reason uh, is, is pretty damning for the esports industry right now. It's a, it's a very bad sign. But at the same time, the second takeaway is that, you know, this is the pandemic. It's very hard to get a clear understanding, a clear view of the industry as a whole. Uh, I think it's very unfair to say that, you know, esports is suffering. The pandemic pushing ESPN to leave is bad for esports and bad for just the world in general. So it's it's a it's a big deal. It's bad because I don't see ESPN coming back anytime soon. And there was a lot of work that got put into that vertical to make it successful. So it's a big deal, and it probably we won't start to see any recovery from this until the pandemic is over. Really.
0: Yeah, I think I knew things were a bit. Bad when at the end of 2019 we saw ESPN stop using freelancers and the thing is that like the team over at ESPN esports is actually really small. I mean Jacob is there as kind of one of their star breaking news reporters. Then they have two you know columnists slash reporters and uh, Tyler and Emily and then there was Arda and a team of producers. It was overall a very very small department of the larger ESPN ecosystem, meaning that they had to leverage a lot on freelancers and. You know, I'll be the first to say this, like ESPN was never very generous with the amount it would pay freelancers. And I feel I can say this openly. I mean the the site's about to be gone. It was definitely way below anything that should be acceptable for quality journalism by a long shot. And it's always surprising considering they're owned by Disney and Disney is like worth billions of dollars. But you know, if they're paying that little for it's esports content, and then at the end of last year, completely cut off all freelance reporting, then I just knew that something really, really bad was happening on the back
1: end. Yeah, I mean, to be be fair to ESPN, esports rates for journalism across the industry are pretty awful, including major sites right now. Launchers rates aren't very good. Uh, Wired's rates aren't very good. Like most sites, they I don't know if they don't view esports or they know they can get away with it. I've known editors that have worked with new verticals for major outlets, and they have suggested like, oh, these are what we pay writers now. And I think those outlets have taken that as okay. So it looks like we can we can do that. Like because a lot of these people. They don't see video games as, like, entertainment vertical to cover as, like, thoroughly as other areas. It's just bad all around. But to see one of the biggest players who is already probably operating off a lower budget leave is just not a good sign. And I think but I think we've seen success from other sites in this era. But, like, like we said before, like Variety, Rolling Stone, they've already c- come in and left. To have this kind of loss right now, it means that we're probably going to be in a bad place for the foreseeable future a little bit, you know, the next few years.
0: Yeah, you know, I will say that while a lot of places have exited kind of the gaming esports journalistic space, I mean, there was Yahoo Esports, there was Kotaku's Compete, you mentioned Glixel, uh, which was that collaboration between, was it Rolling Stone and which, what, what was the other publication? It
1: was Rolling Stone, it was just Glixel, and then Rolling Stone, I think the Werner Media, I could be wrong, but the Warner Media, I think acquired them, and then that became part of Variety.
0: Oh, ah, okay. I see, I see. Yeah, so, you know, we've seen these kind of esports journalist get, come and go, and the p- places that have remained are, you know, de- definitely don't have the backing of, like, the large corporations. I think I knew something was also afoot at ESPN when the level of content really started to decrease. I mean, while it is good to see breaking news from Jacob, it, you know, a lot of people, the esports industry isn't a monolith. People who read about esports, you know, aren't all the same. Uh, there are League of Legends fans as who are completely separate from fighting games fans. And there was just that total drop-off where they're literally only covering maybe the biggest games. And the I, I started finding myself going to .esports more and more. Um, and there's nothing wrong with Dot .esports because it's being headed by Kevin Morris, who's a, a longtime esports editor with a strong journalistic background who ha- helps continue to um, foster a young, talented pool of esports writers. But I, it, it's it was just bizarre that I... Was consistently not going to ESPN esports.
1: Yeah, I think they did shine with their freelance features and the regular features. Like you've seen the stuff that I love some of the stuff that Emily has written. Uh, I love the, a lot of the reports that Jacob has put out. He's put he's covered things that no one else has covered from a lot of different angles. Whether it be business, whether it be transactions about players, uh, uh, you know, things that he's uncovered from the inside, and also the freelance features that things like you and I have done about communities that aren't covered as much, like Splatoon two they like they done a lot of those things like that, but you're right. Like since the end of 2019, as you mentioned, when the freelance budget dried up, they really just changed their focus. Like they had a lot less coverage. Uh, you know, a lot less was happening. There were no more events happening once the pandemic started. Like the Overwatch League, like all the stuff got canceled or pushed like indefinitely. Uh, so there was like the, cover, the coverage plans that there were still a lot of opportunities to cover community features. But I think that was just so wide. Fo- Everyone was doing that like, oh, the coronavirus is locked up right now home. So what are they doing? And I think people got tired of reading that. Uh, and also ad revenue was, was plummeting because of the pandemic. To see them because of what they were doing, like a PS5 review, they did like rev- talked about Spider-Man, Miles Morales. They did features on Tony Hawk Pro Skater remake. Like, those features are all well and good, but it's, I don't think it's what you expect when you look for, like, the best of esports coverage in the industry, or at least some of the best.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it's bizarre, right? Because there's plenty of stories happening in the esports world at the moment. Uh, and the, for, for ESPN to say that, you know, we only have a, t- a tiny pool of writers, we have no freelancers, so let's pull them away from esports and have them do general gaming stories. I, I don't know what to make of that other than foolhardy and misguided. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure if it was misguided. I mean, it, I'm not
1: sure if it, if it was, like, we don't know where we're at right now, so we're going to, like, next-gen console coverage is very hot right now. It's very uh, highly trafficked and sought after, so I don't know if it was viewed, viewed as that or if it was viewed as just we don't really know what's going on, so we're just going to do what we can until whatever happens and whatever happens turned to be, like, the entire department getting laid off. So, I mean, you don't know if it was just, like, a, a slow downhill trickle or if it was, like... Uh All right, this is just the end of it, so we're gonna do what we can. Uh, it's it's hard to tell.
0: I mean, if it was kind of like a race to the bottom to like I don't know, grab as many you know droplets of water that were falling from the sky and like do PS Five reviews to get SEO traffic. I think that's a bad place for ESPN to be. I can see why smaller websites need to do that. They need to leverage their esports reporting with kind of general guides and gaming coverage. That I think makes sense for the economics of those sites. But when when you're backed by Disney. And it's all—it's almost like we're paying you, you as writers. So I know you mentioned earlier that their freelance rates were really low. I mean, I, you know, we've all complained about it, but the rates for the staff writers, I won't say specifically, but were at the levels of other writers at ESPN, meaning that they were very generous, um, far beyond uh, esports salaries, far beyond general gaming reporter salaries. I don't know. It just It just seems so bizarre that, you know, they would push these writers to just write such general SEO trafficked content.
1: I mean, we can definitely, we can talk all day about Disney. I mean, you see what's happening with, like, uh, I'm in California, at least, uh, you know, the governor, the states, like, on somewhat of a lockdown, we're on much more of a strict lockdown than other states. And there's been a push to reopen Disneyland, of all things, like, nonstop because, like that. But yet, before that, like, Disney made moves to make sure their their execu- executive salaries were back up at full length or at, at full amount after laying off hundreds of Disneyland employees, And then people are citing what people are are mad at California for closing down when it's like, well, Disney has the money to pay you. Like, Disney has the money to keep ESPN going in a favorable amount without needing to do these layoffs, but they're not going to do that for obvious reasons. Uh, The reasons aren't good, the reasons aren't valid, but that's what they're doing. You know, and here we are. And it's just a a sad day for esports to see something like that because no one else did stories like them. Uh, Not because no one else, like, can as well as no one else has the resources to do something like that like i think you know you talked before about like the their legal resources like no one's going to take on a company like disney in some cases but even just to have the time and money to not have to like put out hits every day or hits every week and instead take time to really dig into a few features you know that that is now gone uh, at least from from espn
0: the advantage that ESPN had in the esports space is that not only did it bring legitimacy, it did have the financial and legal power. So if Jacob ever did need to do a massive report, I mean, he could always run over to a team of media lawyers that could be like, hey, this is something you can pursue or hey, this is something you shouldn't pursue. Most smaller journalistic, like, esports publications can't do that. I mean, we saw stories of Echo Fox, you know, when all that stuff was going, uh, happening, you know, stories that Dixerto was suddenly getting taken down because I assume that, you know, there were some legal letters being sent. And those, I didn't see the story at ESPN get taken down, you know, so it seems that they had the legal muscle there. And they also had the, fi- the finances, right? So I think last year, they sent their entire team to Worlds, which is very, very, very costly. But, you know, I guess they felt that, you know, they wanted to have more than one reporter there to cover everything that was going on. And they did that. And most, like, I mean, smaller publications, they really can't afford to send people around the world globetriding at all these esports events. Uh, ESPN could, and now we've lost that.
1: Yeah, yeah. You mentioned, I mean, you mentioned Dexerto. The esports industry is kind of flooded with sites. Dexerto is definitely one of the most major players. But to me, Dexerto is a tabloid. They certainly sort of, the majority of their content is is what a popular streamer said on their stream. You know, they, they piggyback a lot off XQC, a lot of Dr. Lupo, just of like things they say and like that. And the eSports industry is kind of dominated by traffic like that. Like that's a lot of what the v- v- readership expects. And they also don't like it, but they also have a you know hunger for content. They want it right away. They want it quickly. So DeSerto kind of just fills that void. So ESPN kind of was playing at it as a disadvantage when they're trying to do something more robust and trying to court – because they're trying to court two different audiences. They're trying to court sports readers and sports watchers who maybe not know esports but are willing to get into it if, if storylines are presented like they are in the NFL and the NBA. And then, of course, just standard esports fans who are so – have such like a high bar for what they read. Like if like a writer makes one mistake, you he won't hear the end of it. You know about, about something. You know about, about a certain team, or if a writer has an opinion that maybe differ from our readers, then it's just like it, it's a very they're walking a tightrope, um, which is done. They did a great job walking that tightrope. They did a lot of stuff for it, but it seems like the pandemic kind of was was enough of an equalizer to say esports aren't important to ESPN in the long run Over the next however many years
0: when the pandemic hit I, you know and I saw that ESPN cut its freelance budget I'm like oh man this is such a blessing in a, in a way because they don't have to pay for travel they don't have to pay for all these expenses that they might have had to budget before and they can like maybe save that and roll it on to next year and try to get back to where where it once was but no this pandemic was just really it seems very very devastating for for ESPN as an organization overall I, I, f- I feel bad. I mean, I know Jacob. Jacob is a very talented reporter. He's always a go-getter. I think Jacob will find something soon um, and rather quickly. Tyler and Emily, I don't know. I mean, I know Tyler was given the job at ESPN very early on and sat comfortably in it. Well, Emily had to work very hard doing a lot of freelance work for them, a lot of freelance video work for them to essentially come to the point where the rest of the team felt that we need to really bring her on. So I don't know. I, I do, But I do feel that Jacob will find something very soon.
1: Yeah, I think I think Jacob probably has, has already found something or has been lined up by the new year. Or at least he'll be in a position where he'll, like, know what he wants to do and he'll be setting himself up to do that. I think, I, like, yeah, I remember seeing Emily's freelance career and what she wrote for, I think, what, um... Uh, the League of Legends, like the official, their official uh, site and capacity with the editors there. So she was like hustling as a freelance while at ESPN as a freelancer, and before she was there. So she worked hard. So I have no doubt she'll be able to make up lost ground there, and then hopefully. I mean, there's such a like, it's such a way, you know, a desert of of opportunities in journalism in general, especially esports. So I'm not sure where else any of these people would go that would be, you know, either a sideways step or a step up from ESPN. You know, maybe they get left out and they make their way to like something like Launcher or Wired's new new gaming vertical. But I don't think anyone's going to be looking to hire in the middle of a pandemic. Um, But hopefully I'm proved wrong.
0: Uh, I can't really get into the numbers or whatever, but I do know that Launcher, as a project by the Washington Post, is doing well. You know, Marty Baron over the Washington Post isn't kind of worried about its financial viability. It seems that... Numbers wise, traffic wise, they're doing incredibly well, or much greater than their predictions had, I guess, predicted, and that bodes well. So, you know, if there's room for a Jacob or you know, you are any any or like of the many talented reporters who cover gaming and esports to move over, you know, there hopefully are more opportunities at Launcher or whatever Wired does have planned. But you know, it's it really just does feel like a huge loss for the esports ecosystem, and it's just been this kind of this just slow, laborious death that. I I feel that probably didn't need to happen if things on the back end were better. I mean, Rod Slasher Bresla, who's also been on the show, who you know was there at the launch of ESPN Esports, had some very critical things to say about you know the leadership at ESPN Esports and you know why their incompetence led to what happened. It just feels like it was so unnecessary.
1: I freelance at Variety. I freelanced through every stage of that Warner Media getting into games when it was Glixel, and then when it went to. Rolling Stone and then it went to variety I was a freelance for all the editors there and then they still like all oh, they at that point They like it was a one-man show Brian Crescenti, who helped found Kotaku in polygon he was the head at, at variety of the games you know he was a one-man show with a bunch of freelancers like me and then one day you know they were like pack it up like we're not doing this anymore and they just like throw games and eSports maybe under their like tech coverage or their entertainment coverage and they have you know maybe one games writer or a writer who covers something else cover them so it's, like, pretty scary. I, I know people made major sense like Launcher who said, like, we won't – we aren't sure we'll be – like, when they started off – when did they start? Like, October 2019? I forgot what, what when did Launcher started. But they were like, we don't know if we'll be here in a year. Like, we don't know if, like, this is a risk. I know there was a lot of hubbub around Launcher when they started, but, the, like, I think there was, like, well, a, whole, a whole feature in The Ringer about how – uh, you know, Mike at Launcher started things out, uh, which was cool, cool to see, and they've done some amazing work, you know, I love the, their stuff about, uh, you know, they did a thing about Adderall, they did a thing about uh, aim assist, which is like, that stuff isn't covered in depth, that's like just talked about a lot in the esports industry, but that to cover it and have like a definitive feature about it uh, is kind of like really important. Um, But to to see people at those major outlets just have that uncertainty as like a norm, I'm not sure if ESPN leadership could have done anything different outside of what we talked about in 2019. I think they were going to face the axe no matter what, once this pandemic hit.
0: Well, I guess on that somber note, we'll end the show. Uh, Thank you so much for jumping on, Aaron. Yeah, thanks. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And that was FTW with Ahmad Khan. If you like the show, please rate, subscribe, and share. Full transcripts of the show, as well as links to our Patreon, can be found at ftwimad.com. To follow Aaron and all the work he's doing at Wired and elsewhere, you can find him at Garst Productions on Twitter. To follow me and my writing over at the New York Times, the Washington Post, and elsewhere, find me at Imad on Twitter. And Ron Lyons is our audio producer. With that, we'll catch you guys next week.